This is Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell, right here on Vertical Radio. Thank you for tuning in to the first ever episode of Leader Worth Following. My name is Matt Mizell, and since you're tuning in for the first time, you're probably wondering, what is this show all about? Well, this show is all about leadership, but not just any leadership, quality leadership, godly leadership, Christ-like leadership. You see, there are a lot of leaders out there, but just because somebody is a leader doesn't automatically make them a good leader. Just because somebody is a boss, a CEO, a team captain, a business owner, even a pastor, or someone with a fancy title doesn't automatically make them a great leader. And get this, just because somebody is a Christian doesn't automatically mean they're a great leader either. Some of the worst and most toxic leaders I have ever met have been Christian. I'm sure you can think of a few of those people yourself. So what makes a great leader? Well, a great leader is somebody who understands how to be a servant. A great leader is somebody who understands how to put others first. A great leader is someone who must first become a great follower. And who better to follow than the greatest leader of all time? The greatest leader of all time? is Jesus. Today, an estimated 3.78 billion people follow Jesus. That makes him hands down the most influential leader in the history of the world. On this show, we will chat with some of the best leaders around. Some will be local leaders, whereas others will have names recognized worldwide. Some will be business owners, others will be authors, influencers, pastors, or any other type of leader who understands not only how to lead, but how to lead well in a godly and Christ-honoring way. In each episode of this show, we will get to know a new leader each week as we dive into their backstory of their successes, failures, tips, and lessons these leaders have learned to help us navigate how we too can learn to become a leader worth following. If you or someone you know is interested in being featured on an upcoming episode, people can apply or be nominated to be on the show at leaderworthfollowing.com. If you're interested in supporting the show by becoming a sponsor, sponsorship information is also available at leaderworthfollowing.com. And if you'd like to hear past episodes of the show, archives of the show will be available at, you guessed it, leaderworthfollowing.com. That being said, our first guest on the show is a professional skateboarder. Now, you older demographic who just tuned out when I said skateboarder, don't change the station. The story you're about to hear is a fascinating story about how God got a hold of somebody who was not living for him, but then completely turned things around and used the influence he had in the skate industry to bring light into a dark industry. I'm pleased to introduce to you today our first guest on Leader Worth Following, introducing Brian Sumner. Thanks for having me, man. It's um, it's the highlight of the day with it with sleep and rain and a multiple amount of emails. Uh, getting a check in with another human being is great. So thank you. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, you know our interaction with this whole pandemic is a little bit limited now. So talking to another person that's on the other end is is a, kind of a treat for us. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're still out there. You know, I, I got to go out the other day on a bike and you see four or five people and it's like a zombie apocalypse. So. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. As, as long as you're not the zombie, I think we're okay. I'm all right. I'm doing it. We got some sugar in the house, so we're good. Right on, man. Hey, what were you just talking about before we were uh, on the show? We are talking about how you're an evangelist. Uh, give, give our audience a little bit of a background as far as who you are and what your background is. Yeah, basically, you know, many would say I'm speaking with an accent, which, you know, Matt, you would know is not true. I'm in America. You're all trying to speak, you know, the English language, which we do naturally. Um, I say that joking because I'm from Liverpool, England. I came to America at about 15, 16 to skateboard, became professional, you know, for Tony Hawk's companies and all the rest for many, many, many years. And like pretty much two decades as a professional skater, married, had a son, didn't have faith, didn't know the Lord and was separated, actually divorced 
Then I came to faith. My ex-wife came to faith, remarried. We have two more children. So here we are, you know, 20 years in. I came to faith in 2004, um, and life's just been crazy. And really to say, what does it mean as an evangelist? And we're going to unpack, I'm sure, a lot of this. And pretty much from the moment I came to faith, it was just like that going, going, going idea. The focus on skating kind of just turned straight to ministry. And whether it's scrambling your way through or you're a new believer, um, I just took Jesus at his word. You know, all authority has been given to me, therefore go. That's the call. And that's, I guess, you know, who's been leading all of us, but that's where I am. I have a ministry, I guess you'd say, missions, marriages, ministry. And what it really is, is just my home church saying, Brian, and you'd be crazy to do anything else. This is the most natural thing for you. You're an outward processor. You're always around people and you need to go do this full time. And that's been the past, you know, I'd say 10 or so years and living off what I'm bringing in, but then really stepping out in a full time ministry the last three or four. So, yes, I'm an evangelist, kind of volunteer pastor. And whatever else you want to say, I guess, become all things to all men, he said. Yeah, bro, bro. In in the the two minutes that you just shared, there's so many things that I want to unpack and dig into. So 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 I'm writing a couple things down on my side. But uh, let's go back to your your marriage. You said you were separated, you divorced and then you you remarried. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that as far as how how you separated, went different different directions. You were not a believer. Then you came back together and you, you found Jesus in 2004, you said. So talk a little bit about that dynamic of getting divorced and then coming back. Well, you know, I guess I'm most known now for that testimony, you know, through the I Am Seconds and the Billy Graham ministry. But basically, we'd met in America and she's born and raised here. We were together for four or so months, madly in love. I was about to go back to England and only to go and then come right back. And we just couldn't even be, bear to be apart. So we drove out to Vegas one night, didn't tell anyone, got married, were pregnant within, you know, like a few months. Um, and then within two or three years of just, you know, I was 19, she was 21. We had no clue. You put two sinners together, so to speak. Um, you're not living happily ever after, which is a lie of the world anyway. And before long, fully divorced and hurting, angry, almost getting depressed as far as just like my skate career had always worked out. There was money in the bank. Life was great. I live in Huntington. And now I'm fighting like crazy. We're separated. And what about our son? And that really um, led me to a place. And this will surprise even you, Matt, um, as a pastor. Growing up in England, I never met one Christian. Wow. I lived next to a Catholic church. And I had a Mormon friend and a Jehovah Witness friend, and I never really heard the gospel, which is crazy to think about when you think where even our American faith comes from. You know, it's brought over by the revivalists and the great awakenings from England. And so I just began to say, where's truth? You know, I mean, you want to look at a guy like Rabbi Zacharias, you know, apologetics. I just began to look at every religion, faith. I need answers. And through that, you know, reading all these, you know, supposed holy religious books and seeking out all these gods, God spoke very clearly. And the minute I opened up Genesis and throughout that book, you know, I unpacked the Hebrew and the Greek. I didn't want it to be real. I was actually feeling pretty suicidal. And the Lord showed up uh, radically one day in the home that I'm in now that we just bought. And um, within three weeks, you know, my ex-wife, she came to faith through witnessing the hair and hair going to church. And then within a few months, we were remarried. And our son today, you know, he's 19. He's 
He's down at the beach with a friend of his or over his friend, the youth pastor's house. And then we have a 12-year-old and a nine-year-old. So to begin with, you know what I mean? It's this amazing testimony that God began. And so from that, it's kind of just launched millions of conversations about marriage and then about what the call is. And ultimately, why did I not hear the gospel? If I'm living in the Bible Belt right here with so many churches in America, I didn't even really understand, you know, what it was meant to be born into a sinful will with a fallen nature and headed for death in need of a savior. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, so when, when you were kind of at this low point, you said there's money in the bank and, but you're fighting, fighting with your spouse and you're separated and it just wasn't the life that you were, you were hoping for. Yeah. It, it kind of sounds like you had your come to Jesus, you know, moment on your own while you're away from your wife. You said three weeks, three weeks later, she came back. Did somehow she have her own experience or did you lead her to the Lord? How did she come to Jesus? Well, in the house that I'm in right now that we bought 20 years ago, we were separated. I'd moved out and lived with, you know, a couple of friends and she was staying at her mom's. We were, we were looking at a house and um, this is, you know, back then they were like 300,000 or something. And so as we're <laughs> yeah. in hunting, oh, you, yeah. you- you yeah. can't find a shed for 300000 in Huntington Beach now. <laughs> no, it's crazy. And it was, I think it was three sixty, and the woman we bought it from was like, oh, yeah, this is never going to go up. And it literally it went up to seven eighty in like two years. And probably now with, you know, this whole corona thing, maybe it's down to like, you know, 50000 We'll see. <laughs> right. Um, I'm kidding. But, but so basically, you know, we'd, we'd gotten this house because the idea was why not just try and make it work for the sake of our son in a sense, like at least just – We'll just jump into this. It was like a love-hate relationship. And then in this house, I had community service as well for getting into fights with people. Um, and I chose to go to a Christian thrift store. So while there, I'm ordering all the History Channel DVDs. I'm harassing, you know, pastors and rabbis and people. I'm asking all my friends. And it's all about, you know, are aliens real and God and black and all this stuff. I mean, the Quran, Buddha, all of it. Why arrest the far eyes so mellow? But through reading the Bible, I end up coming to faith in the room that I'm pointing at right now. Obviously, you guys can't see it, but that's what my office was. We have a three-bedroom home. And in that room, I'd been seeking the Lord for some time. And it was actually seven months I had community service. It was stretched out because I was traveling so much still with skating. The judge allowed it. Mm. And so in that room, after a huge fight with my wife that day, I just said, God, whoever you are, I believe you're the God of you know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I believe you're Yahweh, but I don't know you. And that's a testimony to Christians or those who might say they are because many people are in church, but they, have they had that moment with God where they knew that he saved them? And I've been going to God to fix my life and help me, you know, just feel right, which in itself is crazy and idolatry because we're living in a fallen world. Jesus said his kingdom's not of this world. So why would we even feel at home here? We're all aliens, but while seeking out truth, I'd really realized that night, man, this is about sin. This is about separation. So in that room again, in 40 minutes, I'm like, Lord, I need to be forgiven. I understood my sin. I had a radical encounter and it was radical. Some people make fun of that. It was very real. I knew that I knew that God was real, that I was forgiven. I'd already known the verses. There was a moment upon my eyes were awakened and I went and laid in the, in the room then when my wife was sleeping, ex-wife at the time, where my son was. And she sits up and probably doesn't remember it to this day and just kind of gave me like a 10-minute speech of all these things in our life. Yeah. Next morning, I woke up after telling her what I'd 
I had encountered Jesus and she was almost like, man, you're not Catholic. You're not baptized. What are you talking about? This is crazy. But something changed that day where the focus was more on living for Christ, doing whatever, and on her own journey, almost of doubt. And she'll tell you, I'm the Catholic, you know, I'm the one with the Italian family. Her dad's Mexican. I mean, aren't they the ones who have the religion? I'm the kind of guy, Brian, you're the kind of guy that goes to hell. People like us don't. But she began to just hear the basic truths of the Bible. And she realized, wait a minute, um, if this has happened to Brian, well, well, what about me? And we were in church and that song was playing, I believe, I can only imagine. Hmm. And it just messed with us. She's like, man, what is it going to be like on that day if, if what I'm claiming is true? And so she had this moment. You know, obviously, she'd heard a lot of the verses from me. Uh, the preacher, Ron Brown, a guy out here that's very known in a lot of the circles for helping you know, youth and the orphans. He'd never even been to our church before. He didn't know who's who. My wife had only been there two weekends. And after the service, he said to a friend of ours, you need to go get that lady. Uh, God needs to deal with her today. And so she'd been praying, I'm not going down to the front. I'm not going to go up there. And, you know, the church was a recovery church. Not that I was in recovery, but it was heavy, just, you know, altar ministry and everything. And so my wife's very timid. And so she had her encounter, and it was. And I would challenge people with her, like, what does that mean? She just knew. And then within, like I said, a couple of months, we were remarried. And it's been, you know, well, what, 16, 17 years. So the house isn't paid off yet, but though there's a lot of equity. But, uh, yeah, I helped lead her to the Lord. But obviously, you know, we don't find him. He's not lost. He's the one who finds us. So, yeah. Praise God. <laughs> well, you know, your story sounds a lot like the the Saul to Paul transition, you know, where where there's a distinctive moment where there's almost a rebellion. And, and in your case, you're you're searching around all sorts of different types of faiths. And then you, yeah. you wind up landing of I've had an experience with Jesus and, and I'm, I'm choosing to have faith in, and uh, trust in Jesus. And, and obviously you've impacted many people, including your own wife. I mean, yep. the legacy that your family has now because of your submission and obedience to Christ Amen. is is something that perhaps you will never see this side of eternity. All the people that your, your son, your kids, you know, like I just, I think that's exciting that uh, when you see somebody transition and say, you know what, I give up, God, you're in control. Uh, you've got my life and I'm, I'm gonna be bold and confident and courageous. So props to you, Brian, that's awesome. Oh yeah, uh, we gotta take we gotta take a quick break, real quick. We're gonna come right back right after this break, and then I want to dig into a little bit more about your skate career and how you can uh, be a leader who's worth following in the skate scene. We'll be right back. You're listening to Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell right here on Vertical Radio. Discover your leadership potential by taking Matt's free leadership assessment at leaderworthfollowing.com. This is Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell, right here on Vertical Radio. All right, we are here with Brian Sumner, and he is a professional skater. He's got a crazy story about how he divorced his wife, got remarried after he found Jesus, led his wife and his kids to Jesus as well. This is just an exciting story as we unpack it. And, uh, and right before right before the break, we were talking about we we're going to dive in a little bit more uh, regarding Brian's skate history and, and uh, in his past. So, uh, Brian, let's go into that a little bit. You said you're on Tony Hawk's team. What does that mean? Well, basically, you know, you've got the surf generation going into skating and skating influence and surfing, that whole kind of Dogtown Z-Boys thing. It blows up. 
these guys are the ones who end up running the industry and becoming the idols and the icons. They end up having their own brands. And so it's just a natural progression where, okay, here's the new kids coming in. Hey, guys, will you wear these shoes? Will you ride these boards? Here's this, here's that. And at that time, I was fortunate enough to come from Liverpool, where my friend Jeff Rowley's from, very known professional skater, helped me get noticed and sponsored. I made it over to America. I lived with a couple of skaters, you know, who were also riding for Tony Hawk's company, Birdhouse. I'm an amateur. That continues to grow. Uh, One of the most famous skate videos ever, The End, came out at the time. I was an amateur in that. And so now... Here's Brian, you know, with jet black hair and a funny accent, touring the world and getting paid from boards and shoes and every kind of thing, you know. So, I mean, you're making fifteen to $20,000 a month. Sometimes you're making a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year. You're doing all kinds of things, random videos, movie this, movie that, and yeah. cards and tech decks and things. So it's just you're living this dream. And, and biblically, you know, you're gaining the whole world but losing your soul. And for me – that was the world I wanted. I didn't want anything else. So your life consists, you know, and people look at skaters like they're sitting around and lazy, like, no, they're not. I mean, you have a passion for something. You're doing it six or seven hours a day. You master it and become professional. It's very different to watch a true professional skate around a park and hold that kind of posture. And that's just where I, where I was at the time with the rest of those guys. And that was providing and it was an amazing thing. So I loved it, you know, and Tony was awesome. All the sponsors were awesome. So, yeah. So going from the skate scene, the skate culture, I'm presuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, I'm presuming that a lot of those guys do not follow the Lord. Is that accurate? Oh, yeah, of course. And and whether it's that I'm someone like me coming from England who's joking like, you know, Hail Satan, 666, the horns, or whether there's actually a darker influence there. Um, Skating's neutral, but like anything, you're hanging out. It becomes a religion and a family. Many are very healthy and have this kind of esoteric faith in life or Rastafari and Buddhist Hindu. Many just want to party, rage, drink, and many are just calm. So you've got to – it's just like culture, but it's you know it's a beautiful thing. We all know each other. There's millions of people around the world. They actually said that skating and music are the two most influential things in America. Mm. So – Think about that, you know, it's, uh, yeah, not too many believers. So let's go on that thread a little bit. Skating and music are the two most influential cultures in the United States. Yeah. You were in the culture for skating before you chose to follow after the Lord, before you had that experience with Jesus. So yeah. So when you come to your knees and you say, okay, Jesus, I'm all in, I'm following after you, but, but you're also part of this culture that doesn't know you for that. How did those two worlds collide? You know, well, in that room on my knees, I said, God, I need to be forgiven. I understand my sin. You know, I'd walk down that Romans road idea, you could say. And it was like, I'll give you my skating. I'll give you my life. I'll get baptized. I'll get remarried. And that seemed like it was very clear that to me, all things are made by him, for him, through him. Skating is his. So there was other skaters, I guess, that were believers, but a lot of them kind of got hokey pokey and they either got into like cults or just fell back into the world, whatever. But I feel like at the time for me, it was very clear, like, okay, hearing the gospel, I don't just mean being a Christian. This is a call to go. If I'm in this community, I'm going to stand out as a believer and some aren't going to like it and some are. And so within two or three years, I'd kind of witnessed to everyone I could very openly put scripture and things in interviews and whatever else. 
And then before long, I, I just felt like I wanted to get on the road and go with some of these Christian companies and these big events and really evangelize, you know, tens of thousands of people, if not hundreds yearly. So that kind of became a natural progression. So are you still connected to a lot of the same crew that you used to hang out with before you became a Christian? Yeah, I mean, I'm around people, but the difference is, and I, this will help any listeners understand, you know, I'm at the top of my game around everyone. Anyone you could want to skate with, you know, is in your phone. You're going to see people, but God wants to restore my marriage. So am I going to go to Australia and spend three weeks away just to sit in the back of the van and witness to that one guy? Or am I going to say, I have to get in some Bible school right now. I got to figure out who I am. I got to work on my marriage. So God had a plan, like get planted in this local church begin to share with those around you. I'm still skating everywhere, seeing people. And very quick in that season, God had like 20, 30 very known pros, probably a couple of hundred skate ministries launched around America that maybe people don't even realize it. And it's just gone worldwide. I mean, surf, skate, mm. snow ministry is everywhere. So I'm still close to that. But and, and I'll chime in with this. I was in church praying. I literally felt like the Lord impressed on my heart that verse you know, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. And I was praying, Lord, what do you want my career to look like? I'm riding for Analog, you know, one of Jake Burton's companies. I'm riding for all these big sponsors. How do I bring the gospel into this? And for some people, they stay where they are. You know, it's not, you can't, you've got, you haven't got to stay exactly where you are in what position. But to me, it was a very clear call to evangelism. And as I heard that verse, I said, but Lord, the verses take off your sandals. And I just felt like I knew, yeah, this is about your career. And I felt like what God gave me that idea of was all these people you know, it's such a close-knit family. As they check in you every few years, they're going to see marriage restored. They're going to see family. They're going to see you're a pastor. They're going to see ministry. And that's going to be a witness. You know what I mean? We're living epistles read by all men. So there's a stopping and telling people a one-to-one, which is what I lived into those first few years. But I can't just dedicate my life to holding on to my skate career professionally to make sure that only the pros hear it, I had to want to, I want to go minister to marriages. I want to just go minister to the guy on the road. So God literally made evangelism bigger than just one area. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. So it wasn't like, and people didn't even freak out. I'm sure they said, oh, this guy's crazy or whatever. But I posted a video today, a very intense opening up the scripture. And I have friends who don't love God. They, they would be mad about it, but they'll like it. They'll comment. They see it. And I feel like God's honoring what he left on my heart that day. Like, Brian, you just keep going with me. So, you know, what I, what I love about what you're saying, Brian, is, you, you know, you keep coming back to your family. You keep coming back to your marriage. And I think there's a lot of people potentially listening right now that think, oh, in order to become a leader who's worth following, a, a godly type of leader, mm. I've got to. I've got to reach the masses and I've got to have the influence and I've got to have millions of followers. No, nope. but what you keep coming back to, Brian, is your marriage. I mean, yeah. you could take off for three weeks and you could be gone and you could be influencing a guy in the back of the van, as you were saying. But what about your marriage? What about your family? What 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 about the that greatest? Yeah, that great ministry that you have right there. Yeah. So so talk about a little bit of that that dynamic. I mean, you, you've had you've had opportunities to to be in front of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. Yeah. Yet you keep coming back to that important ministry of your marriage and your family, why is that so important to you as far as being a leader at home more so than leaders to the masses? Well, I mean, my, my, the first person I'm connected with, obviously, is meant to be Christ and the, obviously God, the Holy Spirit. But the first person after that 
there's only one person on this planet I'm actually cleft to and one with, you know, in name and um, wearing a ring that signifies eternity as far as this covenant exists. Mm. Um, and that's my wife. So the Bible says it's not good when man is alone. If we're divorced and it's been bad, even though we're back together, I don't want to live a life where I feel like I'm alone. It's not going to be good. So the most important thing is God, then my spouse, then my children, then the rest of my life. And that became evident. Maybe that was a maturity thing that God actually did in me, even to the Christian skaters out there, even to different people. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's this lie in America that we believe, you know, money never sleeps. And it's the whole idea of Sabbath. We still want to be out in the woods chasing the quail, not trusting God. But I'm going to give an account first for my relationship with him, then how I try to provide and live and love my family, and then the rest of the world. And even to make it more practical, just I think we often misunderstand the Old Testament, you know, but if you look at God's picture to Israel, there's two pictures there. There's kingdom and empire. Empire is where someone's holding up a staff, controlling the people, and we see it with Egypt and Babylon. We see it in America today which of our leaders want to be about empire, but then we see kingdom. Yeah. And Israel's call was to present God's kingdom to the, the spouse and the family, to the slave and the orphan, and to the foreigner. So I have to start with the right picture. And even with ministry I've got involved with, I've told a lot of people, hey, I'll never do ministry so much that my kids resent God because I'm gone. There's many great men and women who've gone off and done great things, but if you need to be somewhere for two or three months, I don't think you need to be there. You know, men who have gone out on missions and kids have died, and not because they've been slaughtered, because they've dehydrated, because the men were so obsessed. It was about their name rather than maybe their call. So I think the picture of the Bible is the story of marriage. I mean, it begins in one in Genesis. It ends in one in Revelation. And it's about Jesus who came to die for his bride, the church, redeeming her from the serpent. The whole Bible is a story of marriage. So I better focus on that first. Well, there's there's probably some people right now, I'm guessing, Brian, that are listening thinking, wow, I feel the weight of this conviction because my marriage is not number one. Yeah. You know, and and they probably feel as though, uh, wow, I got to change my priorities because I've been chasing this, as you said, chasing the quail. And that's not wrong. And, and, and that's not what I should be investing in. We're trying to provide and do the right thing. Yeah. So, I mean... Well, not to beat people up for it, but it is true, you know. And to put our priorities in order, though, you know, you mentioned earlier, uh, Christ is number one. So the priorities in our lives, it, it, from from my vantage point, should be God number one, family number two, and then everything else. Yeah. Uh, everything else is details after that point. But but oftentimes people put their career or the quail they're chasing, so to speak, above their family or even above God, and everything gets out of whack. Yep. And and what you're doing is you're you're bringing people back, Brian, of saying, okay, God first then my wife, my kids, and then everything else. Yeah, and just so they don't think too, just so they don't think I'm saying like we have it all figured out. I mean, I wrote a marriage book, you know, Never Fails. The idea is love never fails. And the best compliment I ever had was when my wife told me, you know that chapter you wrote on this? Well, you should read it. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, and she's saying it like joking, but it's obviously like, yeah. don't think just because we've read the text and we know the answers, we're still flesh. But, you know, to your point, if we hadn't been able to connect today, maybe it would bum us out, man, we missed to do something positive, that would have been fun, but it's not gonna change your day. But if you were getting on this call and your world is upside down to do with your wife, I'm probably gonna hear it in your tone and you're probably gonna be pretty distracted right now. So that verse, it's not good that man is alone. I mean, to men and women, guys, I mean, that's just 
we spend more time working out or ordering food or enjoying ourselves than we do focused on our marriage. Mm. And that's not what we see in Israel. You know what I mean? I mean, God really spoke in it. I mean, not that they did a good job. Who's doing it perfect? Only Christ. But don't feel shamed, anyone. But you know, Jesus is the ultimate leader. So let's see what he did. He died for his bride, died for the church. I mean, that's hard to do, yeah. you know, so. That's awesome. All right, man, well, we got to take another quick break. We'll be right back with Brian Sumner. Discover your leadership potential by taking Matt's free leadership assessment at leaderworthfollowing.com. You're listening to Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell right here on Vertical Radio. This is Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell, right here on Vertical Radio. All right, we're back here on Vertical Radio with Leader Worth Following. We are talking to Brian Sumner from Huntington Beach, where it's raining right now, but uh, <laughs> hey, we are still having a blast. Thank you for joining us, Brian. I appreciate you have, having uh, some time and sharing your experience with us. Welcome. So uh, we, we've gone quite a bit of on a journey so far, uh, digging into your past, digging into your, your skating and your talents. Uh, I kind of want to watch some videos or something. I want to go dig you up on the video that you mentioned earlier. I'm going to go. I'm going to go spy on you. But uh, you mentioned earlier in our conversation, you said two of the greatest influences in the United States is skating and music. Yeah. And oftentimes people use their leadership. They lose. They use their influence for bad instead of good. Mm-hmm. So from your vantage point, I'm sure you've been ar- around a lot of circles where. You've probably seen people with a lot of influence and you're like, man, if only you would tap into that influence and use it for good instead of bad. So talk about that a little bit. What's the importance of using your influence for good as opposed to bad? Well, God gives us all a platform. You know, there's a reason why he chose the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus and his knowledge, his understanding, I mean, his pedigree. But then he was also prideful god used that in humility to use that man to write possibly you know we know at least 13 maybe 14 books of the new testament but so when someone comes to faith what are we going to do with that influence if you are the greatest ceo and you walk around with your chest out and it's actually about the cars and the garages and the life god is not going to be able to use you other than pointing to your wealth and what happened for us was and i want to get this out there is Jesus' call was very clear. He called four fishermen, follow me. Why, Jesus? Yes, for salvation, but follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Listen, guys, the only thing Jesus did for three and a half years, though the whole of the Bible prophesied towards his coming and then his return, is he showed us for three and a half years how to use every platform we have in whatever realm to follow him and fish for men. Then he dies and resurrects, and guess what his message is? Exactly the same. Now that all authority has been given unto me, what should we do, Jesus? Continue going. That's wherever you are, whether you're a skateboarder, whether you're an accountant, whether you're the, the lowest on the totem pole, whether you're the highest, be the most godly. Not to point at President Trump or whoever, but I'm saying the most godly leaders we have, it's best. But the most godly stewards at the bottom, we have the best. So every one of us needs to, by faith, if you're an actor, if you're, like I said, an accountant, if you're, I don't know, doing dry cleaning, you need to just live that life using it, realizing God gave you breath that day, you're his workmanship, and all of us are called to lead others around us by living in worship, pointing to Christ. I'm not talking about churchianity and just just touting out some scripture, but 
Skateboarding's God's. This podcast is God's. And here's the amazing thing, Matt. That will keep us away from so much chaos. The people struggling with drugs, about to have an affair or whatever it is, live out the Great Commission by following Jesus, imitating him, as Paul said, imitate me. Mm. That's a call to follow the greatest rabbi ever. And that's what I would tell people. Redeem it, use it, skating, anything. It's his. Amen. You know, I, what, what I love about what you're saying is that I think sometimes people think that the, the greatest influential Christians are those that are the professional Christians, the pastors or the missionaries. And what you're describing, Brian, is that everybody has the call based on the Great Commission yeah. to go and make disciples. And so, Amen. Uh, so, so would you say then, I mean, we started this whole conversation about half an hour ago. Uh, about how you're an evangelist. So yeah. is what you're describing, are are you implying that everybody is an evangelist because we all have that call? Or is there a, a different type of, uh, is the title of evangelist different for those who are, are have made it a vocation? Describe a little bit more about that as far as what is evangelism? If we go into IHOP today, I'm going to talk to people about Jesus. And even you as a pastor might be like, okay, this guy's nuts. Now that's the office of an evangelist. You breathe evangelism. But pastors have a 10, 20, 30-year plan. And prophetic people are going to come over and say some things and give a picture and all the rest. All of us are called to evangelize. All of us are called to give an account for our faith. But Paul did tell Timothy specifically, do the work of an evangelist. So I'm going to be around you and people, and they're going to feel like we need to be going and doing something. Right. That's the office. But what that office does is it tells the church Let's continue reaching out. Like anyone listening right now is like, he's right. My go-to is evangelism. and that's how I've been made. Um, and that's like you as a pastor, you're going to pastor someone, even though I volunteer pastor, you're going to look at it in a different sense. So wherever we are, I mean, you could just summarize it. Like I said earlier, we're living epistles, whatever we're doing, it's pointing to him. But what I do think the church needs to wake up to more is it's not just in deed, it's also in word. We are doing great things around the world, but the gospel call is one preaching the kingdom, talking about it, but also living it. So we can all evangelize. And guys, based on where we are with this whole coronavirus, whatever you want to say, we should be looking at people today like they are a breath away, not out of fear, but imagine this really had an effect. It really was doing it. There's loved ones around us, people that need to hear the truth. And God, our heavenly leader, we're going to say today on your show has called us to do as he did, and I do that I see the Father doing so. Go evangelize, folks. That's the blessing as well. We get to do that. Now, now, Brian, you, uh, you, I know you like to be around people. You talked about this a little bit earlier, how you would, if you were in an IHOP right now, which quite frankly, I wouldn't mind if we were in an IHOP right now, so I'm a little discouraged by that. But, <laughs> but if we were in an IHOP, you would go and talk to people about Jesus. But some people have the personality yeah. where they would be like, oh my gosh, Brian, that sounds horrifying to me. There's no chance that I'm going to go walk up to a stranger. Yeah. Perhaps there's some personality differences that people have, but what would you say to the people that are, have a different personality than you? How can they use their strengths, their talents to still go and make disciples if they're not going to walk up to somebody in IHOP and do that? Well, one of the greatest prophecies in the Bible is of this coming Holy Spirit. You will receive power when he is upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me. So whatever realm, I have friends who are amazing in real estate, and the way they have their meetings and their Zooms and their connections is pointing to Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to excuse anyone because, you know, I might have gone and witnessed 10,000 times. You can start today and go witness once or twice or whatever. You're going to get better at it. But when you ultimately realize you don't do the saving anyway, 
We don't really know who's his. Hopefully we see the fruit. You're just putting yourself out there. And who is the Holy Spirit? He's the helper and the comforter. We always want to see him move and do all this stuff for us, but we're not stepping out into places where we need the help and comfort. So I would say to the multi-multi-millionaire, um, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in my life? To the lady that's at home maybe doing laundry right now, she's used to the kids <laughs> and the dad's going crazy. Lord, how do you want to use me to be the example in the house today? We need those layers of influence. I couldn't do this podcast if you didn't call me today. You know, I couldn't print these things out on this paper if someone didn't go do their job. We're all meant to be, some are in our office and some are tent makers. And I'll put this thought in your head. One of the things I do when I preach on evangelism, and pastors love this, you know, it's funny. I'll ask a huge church, how many of you guys are in ministry? Mm. And like you said, you know, 15 people will raise their hand. And I'll say, well, how many of you guys are Christians? And then they'll raise their hand and I go, that's how many's in ministry. Listen, you are chosen, set apart. We are the priests. We carry the Holy Spirit. He's the Redeemer. I mean, people should hear this today and go, when I go into grandma's house and she's an atheist, doesn't want to hear about it, I have the power of the Holy Spirit. When I go sign that multi-million dollar contract for that property, I have the Holy Spirit. Right. Use the word. Use your testimony. I mean, guys, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, and I like to think – if the Apostle Paul today of God said, you know what, Paul, I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to send you back um, for the next week, for the next part of this coronavirus, and you can live anywhere for a week. Where do you want to go? I think if the Apostle Paul came to Huntington Beach, we'd see something different. I think if he came and worked in our businesses, or and I'm not saying that to guilt and shame, I'm saying to encourage us. Paul would be excited to be here because he understands what it means to God to give his only begotten son. He gave his best so we can shine that light. I mean, yeah. what else is success? You know what? And, and it's just, it's clear as day when we get in the text daily. So, well, and gosh, man, it, I wish we had a time for a whole nother hour just to go down that path of what is success. Cause quite a few people I think have the wrong definition of what success is. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard a quote, some, something along the lines of it'd be a tragic to spend your whole life climbing the ladder only really to realize the ladder's been against the wrong building. Yep. Uh, and that's the case. That's American culture. That's what we do. And it's not wrong to have this stuff. I mean, guys, fly your jets, own your things, read First Timothy 6, you know, but use those resources. And, and, and to be positive, Matt, use your influence. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where people sit with, you know, Kanye West right now, but he said a lot of stuff that is really true biblically that has influenced some people. It's caused a lot of people to say, well, if this guy, I know he's sitting on millions, if not billions, but all he did is open up his mouth. Yeah. That's all we need to do. God opens the door and closes it. You know, and even just to say this to encourage him, you know, God hasn't told you, Matt, or me, or anyone to do anything different even since this whole virus thing. All we're called to do is to trust him, to walk with him, to worship him, and to love ourselves and other people. That's it. It's just mm. why, God? Because daily your grace and mercy is renewed, and we get to go live this out. So yeah. we make it much more complicated than God's made it. And uh, I think it's, it's an interesting time. I'm excited. It's an interesting thing to hear you say you're excited during this time because so many people are gripped with fear right now. Yeah. But I think the encouragement that many people may have from you, Brian, is, wow, I can see excitement even with a shelter in place. Even while, while there's a quarantine going on, there can be excitement. Yeah. And I agree with that. You know, ministry looks different right now. How we love people. You said earlier, Brian, we're still a breath away yep. virtually, digitally, but but perhaps people need that breath in their lives right now where you can reach out and yeah. maybe you're not physically in IHOP right now, but you still have an opportunity to impact people. 
Well, think about it. Yeah, yeah. And real quick, you're going to go, you know, we have our night service tonight, our little worship thing. So I'm not going to see those people for weeks. Mm-hmm. But in a sense, this is more spiritual than being there in person. And why? Because I know we're all tuned in and there's people around the world that have gone on my Instagram feed or my YouTube and they might not even know me, but they might go and hear my pastor preach tonight. Isn't that really who the church is? She's spiritual. We're all over the world and we're just doing our part. So yeah, that's an evidence to me of of a great time. And we shouldn't be afraid. Guys, please listen to this. And a lot of pastors right now are preaching, we're going to get through this. It's going to be good. But I think what we should be preaching is maybe we'll get through it. But even if we don't, it's going to be good. Everything's good in Christ. Nothing's going to separate us. So it'd be nice to go on a bike ride today, take a surfboard, get in the ocean and walk into a couple stores. But I can't. But it's still good. Yeah. It's not good yep. because your situation is good because of the cross. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Well, we're coming up to the end of our show. So I want to ask if there's one thing, Brian, it, you know, you, you get an opportunity to speak in front of a lot of people. Uh, you're an author of a book. Uh, that book's called Never Fails, right? Yeah, it's a 30-day marriage devotion, and the idea is you, you'll be in that for seven days, and within seven days, you'll have bonded with your spouse 15, 20 minutes a night. That alone will change how you relate in your relationship. Yeah, A lot of scripture, we throw ourselves under the bus, and it's meant to just help marriages right now. I mean, that's that's what it is, you know? Like, here's the chaos we've faced. Here's what God says is right. Well, right on. Where, where can people find that book? Amazon or BrianSumner.net or I have a podcast, you know, Foolishness. We talk about it a lot on there. So Awesome. Well, if you're going to leave people with one thought, how to become a, a better leader who's worth following, what's one thing that you would say, okay, take this step, take this action, a, a step or an A bite in the right direction, what would you share is one thing that they could do moving forward today? I think we all need to realize that, and, and it sounds typical, but we're his workmanship. So he has made you a certain way. And John Bevere used to say something along the lines of, there's nothing worse than seeing a man operate in another man's gift. Mm. I'm an evangelist and to try and make everyone live out the way I live out my evangelism is wrong. What I'm really going to do if I'm a good leader is show them how to find who they are and live that out. My youngest son right now is a phenomenal skateboarder. We're going to look to that and say, Lord, use this these years he's doing that. And we'll shine the light in whatever it may be. My daughter with her crafting, my oldest son. So to anyone, I would say God has already made you read Ephesians 2.10 as his workmanship. There's things for you to do. He can navigate where you work, who your boss is, whatever it may be, where you live. But knowing what your giftings are and your calling and how to walk down in love, that's really what we're lied to about. We're all going to work hard by the sweat of our brow. You can learn skills and trades and gifts and that, but God is the one who wants to lead you. So to close on that point, I would just say, Rabbi Jesus, as I've said before, we're following him. He opens those doors, put your hand to it. The gift and call of God is without reproach. And the Bible says that our gift will make room. I tell my kids, guys, just grab a hold of what God has. Don't be lazy. Awesome. Give it all up to him and, and, and work hard to the Lord. And he, he has a responsibility to open doors for you and to provide your needs. So we should all just go in peace, but be diligent. Well, Brian, uh, that's inspiring because I'm sure there's many people that feel uh, that they're not equipped or that they're not good enough. And what you're saying right now, what I'm hearing you're saying is, God's designed each one of us and we need to discover how we've been crafted and how we've been designed and live within that as we pursue Jesus. 
I'm sure many people are inspired by that. If God made you, it literally says in Ephesians, you are his workmanship and there's works for you to do. Mm. You make a table to put food on. You make a laptop to be written on. Yeah. You and I were created for a purpose. Let's go find that. Right. God's not wrong. <laughs> we are. Awesome. Well, Brian, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I really appreciate it and value your story. And it's been a blessing to me and I'm sure to many people listening right now. So thank you so much. Thanks, brother. God bless you all. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Join Matt Mizell every Sunday night and become a leader worth following. Discover your leadership potential by taking Matt's free leadership assessment at leaderworthfollowing.com. Leader Worth Following, produced by Sean Kelly and Devin Neely, right here on Vertical Radio. Vertical Radio.